Pacific. Got a lot to cover tonight, so grab your Bibles real quick. Turn to John 14. Hopefully, hopefully we're going to be able to finish tonight if y'all listen fast enough. Yeah, it ain't on me, guys. It's on y'all. Y'all got to listen fast, all right? John chapter number 14. Uh, It is good to be in the house of the Lord. I promise you, I'd rather be here than anywhere I know. I'd rather be here in any hospital in America. Say amen. All right, John 14 and verse number 15. That's where we stopped last time. If you're here for the very first time, we are tickled to death you're here. We hope you enjoy yourself tonight. Uh, Tonight is Bible study. We take our Bible, we open it up, we get to digging, and that's where we stay for one solid hour. We're in God's Word. Amen? Amen. And uh, so I hope you're you're with us. We just go verse by verse and just teach what God's Word says. And I, I heard something the other day. It used to didn't bother me. I don't know why. I guess God's just changing my mentality about it. But I heard the phrase... Uh, uh, we are a Bible-based church, or it is Bible-based teaching. And I got to thinking about that. Bible-based teaching. It should be Bible-taught. Not based, not a story with a little Bible story to say what I want to say, but just teach the Bible. Does that make sense? And so that's what we want to try to do. Just teach the Bible, preach the Bible. Uh, bring, there is great power in God's Word. Would you agree with that? Amen. Amen. All right, let's, let's, let's start out where we stop. Uh, John 14, verse number 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father. Now, what color is your writing? Red. Red. Who's talking? Jesus. Jesus is talking. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. Say amen. Amen. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. Now that's in reference to the resurrection. He is saying in just a little bit, the world's not going to see me anymore. There's no, there's no scriptural proof of any place after the resurrection where unbelievers saw the Lord. He manifested and revealed himself to believers. And that's what, that's what he's talking about here in this verse. He said in just a little bit, because we know you've been here throughout this study, he's fixing to be arrested, he's fixing to be crucified, and he's warning them, he's telling them this is what he's in reference to. He says in just a little bit, they're not going to see me anymore. You're going to see me because I'm going to get back up. Amen. Now watch, it says in verse number 21, he that, uh, or excuse me, verse 20, verse 20, and that day, if you, if you write in your Bible, I, I put beside my Bible right there, the resurrection. That's the day of the resurrection. That's what he's talking about. And that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. In other words, when that day happens, you're going to know everything I've been telling you for three years is the deal. Are y'all with me? Verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, now this is not Judas Iscariot. You remember there's two, there's two disciples named Judas. Judas Iscariot was a traitor. He's, he's going at this particular time. He's behind the scenes working at how he can betray the Lord, and he's making the deal to do his thing. Uh, this other Judas, this other disciple says, How is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, 
and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye love me, ye would rejoice, because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. They couldn't find no fault in him. The devil didn't have anything on Jesus. Hereafter, excuse me, verse 31, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. God, thank you for this crowd that's here tonight to study your word. Thank you for the the teenagers and all the classes that are going on down in the lower building. I pray that you'll anoint them. I pray that you'll touch them, teach them, bless them. Lord, I pray for all the children and all the children's departments upstairs in this building. I pray that your perfect will will move in them. I pray that you will teach them, train them, develop them. Lord, help us to do everything we can to develop mature followers of Christ. And God, will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, For you that are here for the first time, we've been going through the book of John. Uh, We are presently at the place where Jesus is fixing to be arrested. He is in the upper room. He is having a last meal, if you will, uh, a a last time of fellowship, a last time of communion, uh, a, a last time of blessing with his disciples. And he has, he has informed them that he's going to die. He's informed them that he's got to go away. He's going to be leaving them. They've left everything to follow Jesus. They've left everything to uh, commit themselves to this man. And now he's going to be leaving. They've left their careers. They've left their hopes, their dreams, and placed them all into Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the king. He's the one that's going to set up a kingdom. We're going to rule and reign with him. And now all of a sudden he said, I got to go. What do you mean you got to go? Wait a minute. We've left everything. And boy, all of a sudden their hearts are troubled. All of a sudden they're broken. All of a sudden their world has been torn apart. Everything that they thought, all of their reality has been destroyed. And now they're fretting. Now they're troubled. Now they're afraid. Now they're fearful. How many of y'all know what it feels like to be afraid? How many know what it feels like to have your world turned upside down? Something that you think was going to take place doesn't take place. Listen, life goes this way one way, and the very next day you get a phone call, and everything's turned upside down, and that's where we're at. That's what brings us into John 14. Thank God for the first verses in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, the rest of 14, 15, 16, and 17 is Jesus comforting them, Jesus encouraging them, Jesus helping them with this difficulty, Jesus helping them with his departure and telling them, listen, let not your heart be troubled. 
Let not your heart be troubled. The first part of that chapter uh, we read and studied a couple weeks ago. Uh, uh, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Church, say amen. So what an encouragement that was. He said, listen, I'm going to prepare you a place. But then he begins to tell him, look, you're going to do greater works than me. Not necessarily in the, in the type of work, but the quantity of works. You're going to turn the world upside down. You're going to go into every nation. You're going to go to every people. You're going to spread the gospel to every continent. You're going to, you're going to are y'all with me? So he refocuses their attention. Not necessarily on what's fixing to happen in the next few hours or the next few days, but he refocuses their attention on their responsibility. And that's kind of what we're seeing here again, here in verse 15. Listen, in the verse before that, he says, greater works than I. You're going to do all kind of works. He's refocusing them on their responsibility, on their calling, on their commission. And now, here we go. Are y'all with me? Now, now watch what he says. If you love me, if you love me, what do he say? Keep my commandments. Now, there's four verses in just a matter of verses. I mean, just a matter of uh, eight or nine verses. Four verses that say the same thing. Let's look at them. Let's look at them. Look in your Bible. Verse number 15. Look at verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Look at verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I'll love him and will manifest myself to him. Look at verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. You reckon Jesus is trying to make a point? If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He even, he even makes this definitive statement, verse 24. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. So, it works both ways. And he is making a definitive statement about this. So if you're taking notes, write this down in your notes. Write this down in your notes. Uh, I forgot to say if you didn't have notes so we can pass them around, but oh well. Okay, all right. (laughs) You'll have to remember next time. Amen. Uh, I forgot all about that. Good, gracious, and mighty. Uh, I tell you what, Brother Johnny and Brother Steve, can you help me just just jump up real quick? I, I'm going to keep preaching and teaching, but grab, grab something. If you need a, a lesson, I want you to get this because some of this is going to be hard to follow and you, you don't want to miss this. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. There'll be no embarrassment. There'll be no embarrassment. We'll talk about bad about you later, okay? <clears throat> all right, right there. Make sure we all get that. Make sure we get them. All right, thanks for helping, guys. Thanks for helping. Anybody over here? Anybody need a lesson? All right, right in the back, right in the back there. Steve, can you see back there? All right. All right, write write this down. Write this in the first part of your lesson. Number one, I want you to see a priority. A priority. Jesus is refocusing their attention on the priority. What is the priority? Keep his commandments. Over and over and over, you see, keep his commandments. Keep his commandments. Keep his commandments. Three verses. And then he says, if you don't keep them, you don't love me. I mean, he he is making a definitive statement here. You have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. There's two things that not, these are not the points, but I just want you to think about this. First, we have the motivation. If ye love me, that's our motivation. That's our motivation. How many of y'all know everybody is motivated by something? And let's go back to our children. Let's go back to our children. All of our children, even our children are motivated by something. Uh, They are motivated to obey you or disobey you. Are y'all with me? 
What motivates them to obey you? In the beginning, it's fear. Now, if you had the, the parent I had, it was mortal fear. <clears throat> or it could be immortal fear, amen? It was fear. Don't do that. You, 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 it, is, it always amazes me when I see a grown adult reasoning with a toddler. You don't explain to a toddler about the electricity flowing through the wires and flowing through the socket. You say, don't stick your hand in that socket. Don't get around it. Don't put a fork in it. He doesn't need to know why. Are y'all with me? Because he's not going to get it. He just needs to know you said it. And if he don't, wham! Are y'all with me? So why does that child, why does that child not stick the fork in the socket? Not because he understands the power of electricity. Not that he understands the fact that if he does, he's going to have a permanent orange afro. Are y'all with me? Say amen. That doesn't have anything to do with it. He knows you're going to pop that behind if he disobeys you. It's fear. But then it goes to benefit. It goes to benefit. As we grow older, we realize if I do right, good stuff happens. Right? If I do right, I don't get my behind toe up. There's a benefit to that. Are y'all with me? If I do right, I'm praised or I'm blessed. It's benefit. But guess what? Both of those, both of those are immature motivations. As we mature, as we mature as a child, as we mature as an adult, uh, uh, physically and spiritually. Listen, there, there was a day that I obeyed my father because I was afraid and I feared retaliation or I feared correction. I feared discipline. That was the only reason I obeyed. The second was, was I, as I grew up, I realized it was good for me. It kept me from, y'all with me? It kept me in an upright position walking. Are y'all with me? But you know what? We obey. We come to a point of maturity where we obey not out of fear and not out of benefit, but out of love. Why do you do that? Because I love the guy. And you know what? What Jesus is saying here, and you say, well, is that even biblical? The Bible says the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. Go through Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of everything. Everything starts there. But then we mature and we grow. And here he's saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. The people that do love me will keep my commandments. The people that are always whining and complaining about the commands of God and the word, there's a problem somewhere. There's a problem. And the problem is love. Because if you love him, they're not grievous. They're not an issue at all. I got a Bible for that. Are y'all with me? So he's given us a priority. Our motivation is love. But then the action, the action is obedience. So you have love is the motivation. The action is obedience. Because I love Jesus, because I love the Lord, I want to obey him. I want to do this. I want to walk the way he wants me to walk. I want to act the way he wants me to act. I want to behave the way he wants me to behave because I love him. Are y'all with me? Now, two things I want you to write down that we see in these verses. Two things. The priority is obedience. The priority is obedience. Now, what is obedience? A, write this down. Obedience is evidence of conversion. Obedience is evidence of conversion. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. It's not the only evidence. It's not the only evidence. And it is not the primary evidence. 
And there are people that can obey the commands in this, this book and not be saved. But let me tell you this. You can't be saved and not do that. Are y'all with me? Because Jesus says it this way. Luke six forty six. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Don't call me Lord if you're not going to do what I say. 1 John 5, 1 and 2. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begot, loveth him also that begotten him, begotten of him. By this, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his what? Commandments. Commandments. So there's a connection there. You can't separate that. Love and obedience. Love and obedience. Love and obedience. Now, here's the thing. I tell people all the time. If there is no change, you probably didn't get saved. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's the key. That's the key. Are become. Now, I'm not going to say you're going to be everything you're supposed to be the day after you're saved, but you're on your way. Are y'all with me? They are become new. Things will begin to change. Diets will begin to change. Appetites will begin to change. Places will begin to change. Things will change. You know why? Because a love is springing up in your heart that's placed there by the Holy Spirit. A love for Jesus and His commands. And you want to do... Do I always do what Jesus wants me to do? Do I always follow His commandments? No, but I want to. Yes, I do mess up. Yes, I do make mistakes. But I sure want to do right. You know why? I love Him. I love Him. So obedience is an evidence of conversion. Not only that, this is great. Obedience is effective for communion. Watch what happens when, when we obey and we live a life of obedience. Look at the promises Jesus gives us. Verse, verse, number, verse number 21. <clears throat> verse number 21. When you get there, say amen. Watch, this, watch what he says to those that will love him and keep his commandments. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them... He it is that loveth me. He's saying, you love me. If you keep him, you love me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. You see that? He shall, he shall be loved of my father. And I will love him. Not only will my father love him, but I will love him. Then watch what he says. And will manifest myself to him. In other words, you're going to see him clearly or clearer. He's going to reveal himself to you. You're going you're gonna to experience him in a greater way. You're going to be closer to him. There will be more intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you all with me? Watch this next one. Watch this next one. Look at, verse, look at verse number 23. Same promise. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him. We will come unto him and make our abode with him. We will make our abode with him. Now the word abode there, the word abode there is the same identical word that's used at the first part of that chapter for mansion. Okay? When it says in my father's house are many mansions. Same Greek word. Abode, man, abode's down here, mansion's up here. Okay? Abode, dwelling place. What is, it, what, is, what is Jesus trying to say? If you love me and you keep my commandments, I'm going to come hang with you. I'm going to manifest my... Y'all ain't getting it, I can tell already. Either that or if you hadn't hung with him in a while. Because if you ever hang with him, you don't want to be anywhere but with him. 
And if you ever experience his presence and his glory and his power and his blessing and his favor, man, you, won't, you don't ever want to get out of it. And he says, if you love me, if you keep my commandments, I will come and my Father will come and we will have our abode with you. You say, what about the Holy Ghost? He's already in you. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. But the whole point is this. The whole Trinity is involved in this. The whole Trinity. Say, well, Jesus is up in heaven, but he said, I'm going to come. My Father's going to come, and the Holy Spirit's already there, and we're going to have a party. When? Just obey him. Because he loves when you obey him. And you're going to have a communion. You know, I've heard, I don't know why I don't feel God. How you been living lately? There's something about carnality that just makes God. You see two people. I don't mean to go here, but let's just go here since we're here. Two people. Abraham. Abraham. And, uh, and uh, what's his nephew's name? Lot. Abraham and Lot. There was a time that I believe which is a pre-incarnate vision of Christ. There were three angels that came to Abraham and talked to him and fellowship with him and sat and ate with him. Three of them. I believe it was Jesus and two angels. But when it come time to go, he said, I, I can't leave without telling you what I'm going to do because Abraham was a friend of God. He said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. We're going we're to destroy, destroy Sodom. And we're going to destroy uh, uh, Gomorrah. And this is the way it's going to be. Now watch what happens. Watch what happens. And, and, and as you keep reading, you'll find out how many angels went into Sodom and Gomorrah to get Lot out of there. Two. two. You know Why? Because there was a different place of fellowship between Abraham and God and Lot and God. Now don't say, well, one was lost and one wasn't. That's not true because the New Testament says a Lot was a righteous man. He vexed his soul with the behavior that was around him. But there was a difference in relationship. There was a difference in favor. There was a difference in hanging out. Does this make sense? God's going to hang with those that are obeying him and praising him and loving him. Amen? You might not be feeling God like you need to because maybe your behavior is contrary to what will produce His favor in your life and His presence in your life. His, well, let's just use the verse or the word that's used here. His manifesting Himself to you. Does that make sense? So, so uh, uh, obedience. It's very important. It's an evidence of conversion. Not only that, it's effective for communion. It's effective for communion. If I'm not feeling close to God, the first thing I need to check is my behavior. Not the preaching in the church, not how good the Sunday school teachers do it, not whether they're singing my favorite song, not anything, but my own behavior. Are y'all with me? Say amen. All right, the second thing we see, we not only see Jesus is refocusing them, and he gives them a priority. If you love me, keep my commandments. It's the same thing he did with Peter. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my lambs. If you love me, feed my sheep. Why is he saying that? Because that was his job. And that was his responsibility. God had called him to that. If you love me, do what I tell you to do. All right, number two. We see not only a priority, but we see a person. We see a person. Now let me go ahead and say this right here. I know his commandments are not grievous, but sometimes they're difficult. <clears throat> I know y'all are more holy than I am. They done no problem for y'all. It's no problem for you to turn the other cheek. It's no problem for you to not hold grudges. It's no problem if somebody cuts you off and give you the California high sign in traffic. Just say, God bless you. I know y'all don't have no issue with that. I know y'all are just great high spiritual giants in here. 
Are y'all going to get with me and get real for a minute? How many times are living for Christ is tough? Today. Today. I tell myself way too much, Brother Tim. This is my, my, my good pastor friend, uh, uh, Tim Blue from uh, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. He's come to the promised land. <clears throat> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And introduce your, your friend again. I'm sorry. Pastor Trent McLaughlin. Now, are you from North Carolina too? South Carolina. South Carolina. All right. All right. That's it. Anyway. All right. Let's go. <laughs> All right. I pastored there. I know what you're going through, brother. I'm praying for you. Amen. Today, usually, usually on Wednesday, you ask any of my staff, uh, I'm like a grizzly bear. Seriously. I'm like a grizzly bear. The only time I come out of my office is to holler at them and tell them to shut up. <clears throat> and it, do I have any staff here that want to testify, Miss Barry? This is Wednesday. This is Wednesday. And, and, and I, I, that's because I have ADHD. I can't focus. And if I hear talking in the hallways, it just like just, I can't, I can't focus. So I, I, I need, I even got a little machine that makes noises in my office just to keep them alive. Amen. I, I just, and I never usually leave. Usually they'll go get me something, a sandwich or something, come and throw it in and shut the door. Amen. Well, my brain was hurting today. I just, I was, I was so engrossed in this and, and, and I just, man, I, I, I just got to get out a minute and, and kind of refocus. And, and, and so I went and, 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 and talked to the, the, uh, my wife and, and daughter. I said, you want me to go to, I'm going to go get a sandwich. You want one? So, so I shot up to Arby's. They got like this new, uh, Nashville hot fish sandwich. It's like crazy good. Scott, you got to try it. Now I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. I don't even like fish sandwiches, but this thing is off the chain. It's unbelievable. And so I get there and I order the three sandwiches and, and the fries and everything. I'm, I'm like in a hurry. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta go hurry. I gotta get back. I gotta get back. I gotta vote. You know, here we go. And so they said, Here's your shirt. I said, Thank you, ma'am. And boom, boom, and gone. I get all the way back here, come in. I'm starting to unload stuff. And I go, and there's only three fries. No sandwiches. I just got through preaching Sunday. On giving God all the glory. In every situation. I pulled out the driveway and aimed my car that direction. And the first thing, I begin to rehearse what I'm going to say when I get there. And it was like immediately. I'm, I'm talking about I ain't even hardly got on the paved road. I hear some preacher saying something about give God all the glory. <laughs> and I heard this, make him look good in this situation. <laughs> and I'm telling you, immediately, I can't even explain it, immediately. My whole, pfft, it changed. I said, God, I'm going to give you the glory. Thank you for letting me get out of my office twice. <clears throat> I started trying to say, what's the positive in this thing? Amen. Glad I got to get out of my office twice. I go on up there, come through, and there was nobody in the drive-thru. Thank God I didn't have to wait forever again. Nobody in the drive-thru. And there was like 100 cars the first time. Nobody's in the drive-thru. Come around. Can I help you? I said, ma'am, you ain't going to believe this. But I just here a while ago, and uh, I took off, and I didn't have my sandwiches. She said, just come on to the window. And I'm thinking, what's this going to be like? So I get to the window. They're there. Apologize. Say, we threw two extra sandwiches in there. Do you want some hot fries? I said, give God the glory, baby. 
I said, no, ma'am, I took off too fast. It's my fault. No, no, it's our fault. It's a, no, it's my fault. It's a, I said, it's amazing what happens when you give God the glory. <laughs> you will get hot fries and two extra sandwiches. <laughs> so now my staff got the benefit from, y'all with me? But I'll be honest with you. It's not always easy to do that. You're frustrated and you get angry. Now, now God knows that. He knows that it's going to be difficult, that you're in the flesh. You have to live in the flesh and you have to fight the flesh. And it's a struggle and it's a fight. And and, and we have to die daily to self. And this, this life that we live, it's tough. Because we live in a crooked world and a wicked world and a perverse world. And we're supposed to shine as lights in this dark world. And it's getting darker by the day. So here's what he said. I'm going to send y'all some help. Look what it says. Look what it says. Look, at, look in verse number 16. <clears throat> now watch. Verse 15 says, keep my commandments, right? He just got through. Hey, keep my commandments. Now he knows that's going to be tough. He knows that's not going to be the easiest thing in the world for us as, as, as uh, fallen creatures. So this is what he says. Verse 16. He gives us the, the commandment and the priority in verse 15. Verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Two things here, two words, another and comforter. The word another means one of the same kind. One of the same kind. What do you mean? All right, this is what Jesus became to them. This is what Jesus became to them. He became everything. He was their provider. He was their protector. He was their guide. He was their teacher. He was their, their spiritual mentor. He was everything. Everything. Now, in, in the word comforter here, uh, I, I always heard it called paraclete, but that, that's not the way that's pronounced. That's not the way it's pronounced. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it, I'm going to mess it up now. Parakletos is the way the word is pronounced. Now, what it means is a helper to come alongside. A helper to come alongside. In other words, what Jesus is saying, everything I was, everything I was doing, providing, protecting, mentoring, teaching, guiding, convicting, challenging, putting it out there, discipling, all of this, I'm going to send one just like that to come help you. And we know, we know who that is, and we'll get to that in just a second, but he gave us some help. Now, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I, I, I sat in my office today thinking about that, thinking about how it felt. So many times in my life when I was struggling with something, when I was struggling, maybe it was to carry a big load. Maybe it was to, to it, some job that I had that was difficult. Maybe it was to fix a tractor. Maybe whatever it was, and I was frustrated, and I was aggravated, and I really didn't know what I was doing. And then somebody showed up to help me. And I remember how great that felt. And I remember the relief. Whew. Man, I'm glad you showed up. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? I'm glad you showed up. I would have never been able to do it. And you know what? This is the same thing. The Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit is the one that God has sent, that Jesus has sent. He said, I know you're going to have a hard time. I know you're going to struggle with them commandments. I know it's going to be difficult in life. But hey, I got some help for you. And I'm going to send him to you. So we have a helper. We have a helper. We have someone sent alongside just like Jesus, another of the same kind. What is he doing, guys? Keep in context what we're reading. He's encouraging him because he's fixing to leave. 
and they're upset because their teacher's going, their provider's going, their protector's going. They're here. But he's saying, I'm going to send one just like the one that's leaving. Does that make sense? Yes. Now watch this. Let's look at some things under this. I want you to see a priority, then a person. Did I give you that yet? Yeah. A person. All right, number two, a person. A, if you're taking notes, write this down. He's the third person of the Trinity. He's the third person of the Trinity. You say, how do you know that? Look in verse 26. Verse 26. But the comforter, which is the... Come on. The comforter, which is the... So Jesus identifies who the comforter is going to be. And it's going to be the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Trinity. Now, now we, could have, we could have a month-long conference on the Trinity and you still not get it. Okay? Let's just put that out there. Let's just, let's just, I've heard everybody in the world try to give definitions and, 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 and types and illustrations of what the Trinity is. And they're all weak and they, and they all don't work right. Because there's no way you can take an infinite an infinite being and put it in, an, in, in a finite mind, figure that out. But just trust me on this. We have one God, and he's made up of three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Amen. Are y'all with me? He's the third person of the Trinity, 1 John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. Read it with me. The, the, and the, and these three are... Now, let me, go back, let me go back to the Word. Now, you say, who is the Word? Go back to John 1. Go back to John 1. When you see the word, Word here, the W is capitalized. That means that's talking about a person. That's Jesus. In first, or excuse me, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, capital. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 14, I believe it is. It says, and the Word, capital W, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. Are you all right? That's Jesus. So who is this talking about? God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Ghost. Anytime you see Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit, same person, same person. Same person. Are y'all with me? Okay. Third person of the Trinity. Uh, Matthew 28, 19. <clears throat> Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the... And of the... And of the... Holy Ghost. So we see the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Okay? Right, I, I, I put these things here. Uh, there's some things you need to understand about uh, the Holy Spirit. He is the, a person. He is a person. He's a real person. He is the person, the third person of the Godhead, okay? Now, here's the thing. He can be grieved. He can be grieved. I look at the word grieved, it means to make sad. That's easy. That's easy to understand. Ephesians 4.30, grieve not the Holy Ghost, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. He can be quenched. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, quench means to stop. Imagine that. You know, we use, we, we, we kind of think about this, a match, a match burning and you put it out. You, you stop the fire, you stop the burn. That's, that's, a, that's a poor illustration, but it basically means to stop, to limit. In other words, the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life and you can stop him. You can quench him. He wants to move in your life. He wants to work in your life and our behavior, our treatment of him. Are y'all with me? So he can be grieved, he can be quenched. I've seen this too. He can be insulted. He can be insulted. That's Hebrews 10, 29. The word used, the English word used in that verse is despite. We can do despite. It's talking about how much, how much sore punishment should he be thought worthy who was trodden underfoot. 
the blood of the covenant and done despite toward the Holy Spirit. In other words, you insult the Holy Spirit. So he's real. He's real. He's a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. Are y'all with me? Now, here's the thing. And all this is going to make sense in a minute, okay? B, not only is he the third person of the Trinity, but B, he's a tenant. He's a tenant. A tenant, that's somebody who lives somewhere, exactly. And you're the address. <laughs> right? It's all biblical. I'm just giving you the word. We're just going verse by verse. Look what it says. Look what it says, verse 17. <clears throat> verse 17. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. That's how, that's how the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they couldn't see him. They couldn't know him. They were not of Christ. They did not love Christ. So they, they attributed the miracles of Christ to devils. You know why? They couldn't even conceive. They couldn't even see. It's not possible. Watch this. They neither know him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, not only with you, but it says, and shall be in you. Now watch, there's a difference between the manifest of the fleshly incarnation of Jesus. He was with them. But he said, when the comforter comes, he's going to be in you. That's why the earthly, the fleshly, the, the body, the incarnate Christ had to go to the Father so he could sin because it's one thing to be with you, but it's another thing to be in you. When somebody's with you, he can tell you what to do. But if somebody's in you, he can give you the power to do it. And I want to preach the bad right now, but I'm saying dignified. It's Bible study. Amen. We're going to do it. Look what it says. Romans 8, 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Are y'all with me? Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. All right. First Corinthians three sixteen. Know ye not. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and the the Spirit of God, what? Dwelleth in you. Dwelleth in you. Now, here's why is this important? I'm afraid, I I grew up in a movement that made everything sacred. Everything sacred. This was called the sacred desk. You know, uh, this is the sanctuary. It made everything sacred. And the problem with that is, it's not biblical. It's not biblical. This is not the temple. It's named temple, but this is not the temple. It ceased to be the temple. Y'all with me? The only temple was in Jerusalem. And it was destroyed. Y'all with me? When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was ripped from the top to the bottom, not from the bottom to the top. He did it from the top to the bottom so you know God did it. And it wasn't so God could get out, it was so you could get in. Are y'all with me? He says, you are the temple. You are the dwelling place. Now, why is this so important? I'll give you this illustration. I was, I was in the foyer right out here. <clears throat> and this was years and years ago. And, and, and there was a lady, there was a lady that came to the, to, y'all know it's all glass out there. You can see right through it, they can see right through it. And, uh, and, and she came to the door and knocked on the door. And I'm standing in the foyer sweeping or doing something. And, and I see it. And I knew the door was unlocked. And, and, and I, said, I said, come on, it's unlocked. And I'm like, it's unlocked. Come on. 
okay, what in the world? So I come and I open the door. I said, ma'am, it's unlocked. Come on in. She says, I can't come in there. I said, why not? I thought she knew something I didn't. Amen. There's somebody in here I need to know about. I can't come in there. I said, why? She says, I have pants on. <laughs> Ma'am, I can't come in there. I'm wearing pants. And then it, it listen, here, here's my thing on that. Here's my thing on that. I, I don't never criticize anybody for their convictions. Right. Ever. All right, I have an issue when they try to push theirs on me, but I never criticize anybody for their conviction. But here's the problem. Ma'am, God's out there too. He sees you. Do you see the, the problem? Because she's been told her whole life, this is the sanctuary. This is where we come to meet with God. No, you brought him with you. Everything changed, guys. Now, why is this so dangerous? You, you, I'm, I'm not, and I'm not trying to mock, and I'm not trying to... This is scary because here's what, here's what that does to people's mentality. If this is where God is, then I can do what I want out there. And they have this mentality, we go to church to meet with God. No, he's everywhere. And if you're a child of God, he's in you. So you got to act like somebody more than when you're just in the house of God. What makes this a house of God when y'all get here? Because we bring God with us. Does that make sense? It changes everything then. In other words, if it's not okay out in here, it's not okay out there. Because God is everywhere. You're holy. You're what's sacred. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the... It is the abode. It is the dwelling place. He is the tenant Boy, that changes behavior, doesn't it? You know what's going to happen? You're going to go say something this week, and you're going to think, he hears me. (laughs) And you need to. He's a tenant. He said, I'm going to send the comforter, and he's going to be in you, not just with you. let Let me explain this. It's a whole lot easier. Now, let's be honest. I'm, let's just take off the facade and let's act. Listen, we're, on, we're home. It's just us, guys. It's, it's, we're, we're family tonight. How many of y'all know it's a whole lot easier to act like somebody when your friends that are saved are around you? <clears throat> you cuss a whole lot less. <clears throat> I'm being a little facetious there, but y'all know my point. You're a little bit more on your best behavior when you got other Christians around you. But guess what? Jesus knows they can't always be around you. And Jesus knows he's fixing to go back to the Father. So guess what? If I can't be with you, I'm just going to come be in you. Amen? All right. All right. Let's move along. We see he's a tenant. Then see, he's the truth. God knows we're living in a time when that's necessary. We're living in a day where nothing's truth. It's just whatever you think it needs to be. But y'all know that's a lie. Amen? It says John 15, 26, but when the comforter, and, and, and by the way, that's back to verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, he's the spirit of truth. 
John 15, 26, But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you the, even, or from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. truth. Man, I need something in me where I know what's true. I know what's right. John 16, 13, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, is come. Watch what it says. He will guide you into all for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Why is that important? There are people that will be saved in a cult, but they won't stay there. You know why? Because even if they're not being told the truth from up here, if they truly got saved, the Holy Spirit is in them, and he will guide them into truth. Stuff will start happening and, and spiritual antennas will go up and you'll think, hmm, I don't know why that that seems weird to me or that's not right, but something's not right about that deal. Why? Because the spirit is the spirit of, and he will guide you into, amen. All right. And by the way, that truth will never be contradictory. In other words, God will never lead you to do something that's contrary to this word. I'm going to leave it because I only got 13 minutes, but I could hang right there for a while. He's a tenant. He's the truth. D, he's a teacher. Thank God. 1 Corinthians 2.13, when things also, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. 1 John 2.27, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing, that's talking about the Holy Spirit, anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now let me read that again. But the anointing, the Holy Spirit, which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. Now, now, now is he saying that we, there's no need for teachers? That's not what he's saying. Because we know uh, in two specific uh, uh, verses and chapters in the Bible, he is saying God gave you teachers. Teaching is a spiritual gift given to the church. Are y'all with me? What is he saying? John is not denying the importance of gifted teachers in the church, but is saying that neither those teachers nor those believers are dependent on human wisdom or the opinions of men for the truth. The Holy Spirit guards and guides the true believer into what? truth. Church, say amen. amen. Verse 20. Listen, let's, let's, let's keep reading. <clears throat> I got to hurry. Run out of time. All right. So he's, we, see, we see the person. Then look at verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The word comfortless is, is the word we use for orphan. He's not going to leave us orphaned. He's not going to leave us without hope. He's not going to leave us without, without love. He's not going to leave us without provision. I looked up the word orphan one time. It, it, the definition was given one deprived of protection or advantage. And what Jesus is saying is, I won't leave you that way. I won't leave you deprived of protection or advantage. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. And he's talking about he's going to be crucified. He's, they're going to think I'm dead and gone. But you're going to see me because I live. What's he saying? He's giving them the promise of that third day. He said, ye shall live also. So it is in refer reference to the resurrection. 
At that day, the day of the resurrection, ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye shall, and ye in me, and I in you. And I believe it's in Romans chapter 1 where he says he was declared to be the Son of God. By what? By the resurrection. That was the proof. That was, that was the, the uh, definitive proof of his identity. All right, verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. He's saying there's going to be communion. There's going to be a closeness, a fellowship. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We're going to have all three and have fellowship. Judas saith unto him, Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Remember, after the resurrection, we don't have any, any, any reference or any uh, uh, historical uh, evidence that he revealed himself to unbelievers. All right? Uh, Jesus answered and said, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and he will come unto me and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hears not mine, but the Father which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. He said, I'm right here now, but I'm telling you these things because the Comforter, which is the... That's the person, the third person of the Godhead, that's the Holy Ghost... Whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. In other words, he's going to remind you of his word. When you're feeling lonely, the Holy Spirit's going to say, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. When you're struggling over finances and you're not going to know how you're going to make it, the Holy Spirit's going to creep up into your ear and say, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. When you're feeling lonely, he said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I will be a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Are y'all with me? Blessed be the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our... I got to hurry. Come on. See, I'm wanting to preach right there. He's, how many of y'all are glad that he can remind you of what he said? He will remind you of the word. He will remind you of the truth. But, but here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He can't remind you of something you ain't read. In other words, you can't, you can't shoot a gun that you haven't put bullets in. Are y'all, anyway, all right, come on, come on. Next week, next week, amen. Verse 27, what's that first word? I love it. Say it again. Say it again. What are they needing? Peace. Why? They're troubled. He said, I'm going to leave a person with you. I've left a priority with you. You got a job to do. But he says, I'm going to leave a person to help you. But not only that, I'm going to leave you peace. Peace. <laughs> and now he compares it too. He compares it. He says, there's a, there's a peace that comes from the world. But there's a peace that comes from me. Look what he says in verse, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. And he distinguishes it. And he makes you understand. He's separating me. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth. Not as the world giveth. Give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Three things right here. Write this down. I want you to see the basis for peace. Not as the world giveth. There's two things here. We see the world's peace and Christ's peace. The world's peace is based on resources. The world's peace is based on resources. What they tell you, if you have stuff, you're going to be at peace. If you have plenty of money, you're going to be at peace. Now, we know that's not true because there's millionaires that commit suicide all the time. Money doesn't bring you peace. But that's what the world will tell you. 
The world will tell you if you had more resources, you would have more peace. But what is Christ? Christ's peace is based on relationship. In other words, the closer you get to Christ, the more peace you're going to have. Why? He's the Prince of Peace. Y'all with me? It's based on relationship. It's based on obedience. It's based on communion. We will have our abode with you. Mm. It's based on relationship. B, the blessings of peace. The basis for peace. It's our relationship. Our, our, let me put it this way. It's our, the, the vicinity we are of, in Christ. How close we are to him. The further away we get from Christ, the less peace we're going to experience. The closer we get to Christ, the more peace we're going to experience. Now watch. This is a key. This is key. The blessing of peace is this. The world's peace is dependent on the absence of trouble. The only time they have peace is when there's nothing going on. But how many of y'all realize in the world there's always something going on? In this world, ye shall have tribulation. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Trouble. Now the world's peace is based on the absence of trouble. It's dependent on it. But Christ, his peace is experienced in spite of trouble. In spite of trouble. I, I, I read this illustration. I hope I don't mess it up. But I read this illustration one time about a contest that was made with a painter. They put it out all over England. Uh, you know, we, 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 wanna, we want everybody to draw a picture of peace. Of peace. And, and, and then we'll, we'll award the winner. And there was, there was entries from all over the place. There was, man, there was pictures of a starry sky. There was a picture of a sunset and a sunrise. There was pictures of flowers in a field. But they pulled a winner and there was no contest. And when people revealed, when they revealed the winner, the painting, the winning painting of the contest that, that showed the clearest picture of peace, it was a storm. <clears throat> I'm talking about lightning flashing, wind blowing, rain. I mean, rain going sideways, a cliff in, a, in, a, in an ocean, and, and just a jagged cliff and rocks and the ocean crashing on the rocks. And, 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 and at first glance, you're thinking, how is that peace? Well, if you got a little closer to the painting, you seen in the cleft of the rock a little sparrow curled up in its nest, safe from the storm, at perfect peace. What's the point? Jesus is not always going to take you out of the storm, but he has the ability. To give you peace. Watch this, watch this, watch this. <clears throat> when I was in Bible college, you remember, you remember the, those, those lakes as you go out by the, by the brickyard and all that? And, and they, this was a quarry out there. They dug, and there's rocks everywhere. Well, me and a friend of mine, James Powell, we was in a boat. And it, we didn't have, we was, you know, we poor college students. So we didn't have no motor, so we paddled. <clears throat> And so we're out here fishing, and we're out in the middle of it, and we didn't want to come in, and the storm's coming. And how many of y'all know when you start catching fish, you don't want to quit? And so we're, we're fishing, and no, it has, no, let's just catch a couple more. And, man, it's too late. It's too late. It, it done got us. 
I'm talking about lightning flashing, rain, and, 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 and right, right in, the, in the middle of that lake. And there's some everywhere, but right in the middle, there was a big old rock. Big old rock that just jutted right out of it because they just flooded this quarry. And says, man, let's get over there. That's the closest thing we are to. We'll never make it to the bank. We'll, get, we'll be getting killed before we get there. So we, we paddled over there, and we just put the boat right up against the rock, and we stuck up, and we realized the closer to the rock we were, we were still in the storm. But the... the <laughs> Woo, say amen. We felt the effects a whole lot less. The closer we got to the... Are y'all with me? That's what Jesus is talking about. Now the world says you got to have no problems. But Jesus said, nah, you can be at perfect peace in the midst of your storm. Church, say amen. We see the basis for peace, the blessings of peace. Then I want you to see the balance of peace. This is how this all works. The balance of peace. There's three things working together to bring you peace in your life. The Spirit of God teaches us the Word and guides us into the truth. What is the word? It's powerful. Powerful. It's living. Sharper than any two-edged sword, right? The Spirit of God teaches us the word, guides us into truth. He also reminds us of what he has taught us so that we can depend on God's word in difficult times of life. Remember what I was saying a while ago? The Holy Spirit somewhere in church, you read, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. You're lonely. Things are going bad in your life. You feel like everybody's forsaking you. What happens all of a sudden? You start hearing a voice in your mind and in your heart and in your head saying, I will never leave thee. Y'all with me? So the Holy Spirit begins to remind you of God's word. And so what happens? The Spirit uses the word to give us his peace. Look at your notes. It's right there. He uses the word to give us his, in John 4, 27, then his Love in John 15, 9 through 10, and his joy in John 15, 11. Now, watch what we got working for us. We have the Spirit within us, the Savior above us, and the Word. Are y'all with me? Watch this right here. Watch this right here. You see, you see, the Savior is going to, He's going to intercede, He's going to be our advocate. He is the man upstairs. And that's the only legitimate time you can use that terminology. Because that is biblical. There is a man in heaven interceding on our behalf. And that man's name is Jesus. He is the go-between. Are y'all with me? And he's interceding for us. He is praying for us. So what's happening? The Holy Spirit is in us, reminding us of the word that is before us. And and then we have Jesus praying to the Father. Are y'all with me? And when all those three are working together, brings peace. I, 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 put, a, I put a quote. <clears throat> this, is a, this is an old, old, old saint of God, Robert Murray McShane. He, he, he wrote much, much literature on prayer and communing with God. This is what he said. He said, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet instance makes no difference. He is praying for me. And all God's people say it. Now let's, let's, let's write the last one. I got the, we got to quit. We're uh, in trouble. <clears throat> We're over time. A proof. A proof. We see a priority, a person, a peace, and then a proof. So what are you talking about? Look in verse, look in verse 29. 
Verse 29. And now I have told you before it come to pass. I told you before it come to pass. He's talking about his crucifixion. Before it gets bad, before all Hades breaks loose. I've told you this, that when it comes to pass, you might believe. Hereafter, he said, now just a little bit, I will not talk much with you. We're, not, we're going to be separated. We're going to be separated. The prince is coming. The prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. In other words, he ain't got nothing on me. There's no fault in me. I find no fault in this man. Neither was guile. He has no, and because he had no, he had nothing on Jesus, he had nothing to keep Jesus. That's why the grave had no power. Y'all with me? But watch, watch. This, is, this stood out to me more than anything. But that the world may know, but that the world may know that I, watch this. The prince is coming. What is the prince going to do? He's going to arrest and crucify. And the prince, you remember the devil is in, he has entered Judas. And Judas is coming to betray him for the purpose of the crucifixion. And what he is saying here, the prince is coming to kill me. And I'm going to let him do it. I'm going to surrender and I'm going to submit. Why am I doing this? To prove to this world that I love my father. Now think about that a minute. Think about that a minute. I'm doing this and I'm allowing this so this world can know that I love my Father. How do they know that I love my Father? Because what? What does it say? It says, and as the Father gave me, what's that word? Even so I. Now watch this. Watch how we've tied the beginning and the ending of this lesson. Jesus says, if you love me, then do what I say. If you love me, you will keep my... Now watch what he says at the end. He says, I'm going to allow the prince to kill me because it's been commanded by my father. I'm going to obey the command of my father to show you in this world, I love my father. And because I love my Father, I'm going to obey His command. What do I take from that? Jesus is not going to send you up a ladder He's not willing to climb. So before you bow up and you get an attitude for having to follow a command of Christ, remember this, Christ obeyed the ultimate command and laid His life down for His friends to show you you can do it too. And all God's people say it. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you.